this is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 200-inch. On this special milestone episode, we interview Weird Al's longtime Grammy Award-winning guitarist, Jim Kimo West. Take it away, Kimo! It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch podcast about Weird Al. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome to episode 200 inch. What? That can't be right. Well, last episode was 199 inch, and next episode is 201 inch, so, I mean, unless we're going to start using fractions, I guess it is 200 inch. Well, I'm no nasal decongestant factory worker or anything, but 200 inches feels like a big deal. Yeah, it means we're one-tenth of the way through our mandatory 2,000 inch episodes before Weird Al will finally be a guest on the podcast. Sheesh! Remind me why we signed this long-term contract for 2,000 episodes again. 2,000 inches! What are episodes anyway? Oh yeah, you're right. But why 2,000 of them? I think it had something to do with Chilliwack and a conversion from American to Canadian by the Canadian Podcast Broadcast Commission. Oh, those wacky Canadians. How could have I forgotten? Well, I for one am excited that we made it this far, Dave. And I'm excited that people are still listening to us after all these inches. Well, now that we've hit 200, does that mean we have to start back at the top of our predetermined all guests ever in order list? I suppose it does. But first, there's something extremely urgent I must share with you and all of our listeners. Okay, yes, I knew this was coming. Dave, please proceed, and I will brace myself. All right, well, I hope you're sitting down, because the big news is that... Oh boy, that means we have a call on the 347 Spatula Hotline. The 347 Spatula Hotline is the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. All right, intern Frank, take it away. Hey, Dave and Ethan, Joe Jaffa here, calling to say congrats on 200 episodes. Here's to the next 1,800 inches. Enjoy the day, enjoy the achievement, maybe even be nice and let Frank out of his cage for about 27 seconds, as he deserves to celebrate a bit, too. Well, thanks for the call, Joe, and thanks for the well wishes, but uh, he's not getting out of the cage anytime soon. Yeah, unless it's to go to the store and get us some Rocky Road ice cream. Ooh, another voicemail. Let's hear this one, Frank. Hello, Dave and Ethan. This here is Hank Hill. I heard that uh, you boys had uh, managed to rack up yourselves 200 episodes, and I thought, well, that there deserves a call. Uh, well... This is just me calling to say congrats on, on your 200 episodes. That's, well, I guess now I already kind of said congratulations. Well, at any rate, uh, tell Mr. Yankovic that, uh, well, I guess that I say hi. Well, hi, Nathan Ethan. I heard that you guys had managed to get yourselves 200 episodes. And I just wanted to call and tell you that the people of Dassel, Minnesota are just so proud of you boys! You just know that, that the people of Dassel are, are just so wonderful and I'm always so happy to talk about how wonderful the people of Dassel... I, I can't... Guys, get me out of here! Guys! Please! Help me! Help me! Uh... 
thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Hank. Uh, best of luck to both of you guys. I mean, he kind of brought that on himself. He should have never brought Dassel into this. That's true. Oh, wow. Another call on the 347 spatula hotline. Okay, let's hear this one. Hello, this is David. And this is Henry. From all of us here in the future, happy 200th episode. <laughs> Amateurs, they'll be lucky if they make it to 201. <laughs> uh, thanks, David and Henry. Uh, always a pleasure hearing from you. Wow, this is our lucky day because we have another call on the 347 spatula hotline. All right, let's hear this one. Hey, Dave and Ethan. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for giving purpose to my otherwise meaningless and pitiful existence. So sincerely, thank you very much for all that you do. So I, I guess that's it. Thank you. Oh, and also, congratulations on your 200 inch. Yay! Wow, thank you so much, Zeb. You are the greatest. That's awesome. Ah, Zeb Lemke, the king of the musical interludes. Thank you so much for that call, Zeb. We are honored. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. But seriously, thank you to everyone who called in and messaged us. We've got a big episode ahead of us, so let's not wait any longer. Let's get right on to what's happening in Weird Al-related news. The big news this past week was that Weird the Al Yankovic story was nominated for a total of eight Emmy Awards. And as you may have heard on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast headline news special report number 12, past guests of the podcast, Al Yankovic and Erica Pell were nominated for Outstanding Writing for a limited or anthology series or movie, and in addition... Al was also nominated for Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics for his song, Now You Know. Where the Al Yankovic Story was nominated for Outstanding Television Movie, and Daniel Radcliffe was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for his portrayal of Weird Al Yankovic. And past guests of the podcast composers Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson were nominated for Outstanding Music Composition for a Limited or Anthology Series, Movie, or Special. Tony Solis, Richard Bullock, Brian Magrum, and Phil McGowan were nominated for Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. Editor Jamie Kennedy was nominated for Outstanding Picture Editing for a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie, and Wendy O'Brien was nominated for Outstanding Casting for a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, congratulations and best of luck to everyone. We're also thrilled to see Al and the Weird Team have been nominated for a slew of other awards in recent weeks. The Television Critics Association nominated Weird the Al Yankovic Story for Outstanding Achievement in Movies, Miniseries, or Specials. And the Hollywood Critics Association nominated Weird the Al Yankovic Story for Best Streaming Movie, Daniel Radcliffe for Best Actor in a Limited Series or Streaming Movie, Rain Wilson for Best Supporting Actor in a Limited Series or Streaming Movie, and Evan Rachel Wood for Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Streaming Movie. And the Hollywood Critics Association also nominated Al and Erica Pell for Best Writing in a Limited Series or a Streaming Movie, 
Eric for Best Directing in a Limited Series or Streaming Movie, Now You Know for Best Original Song, and We're the Al Yankovic Story for Best Casting in a Limited Series or TV Movie. If you're feeling overwhelmed, and if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just head on over to WeirdL.com for a full list of nominations and awards won for Weird the Al Yankovic Story. But that's not all. The Illustrated Al was recently nominated for a Ringo Award in the category of Best Humor Comic. The Illustrated Al Super Deluxe Edition was also nominated by me as the longest I've ever had to wait for a branded Weird Al mini accordion. Seriously, over a year after we pre-ordered them and over six months since they were supposed to arrive and we still haven't gotten them yet. Congratulations on the nomination. Felicia Day just announced an Audible original audiobook, Third Eye, which she describes as an epic fantasy adventure comedy. There's a whole bunch of great comedians and actors lending their voices to the project, but we are, of course, most excited to see both Weird Al and Jonah Ray's names buried down on that list. No word yet on when it will be released, but you can pre-order it now over on Audible. Weird Al recently performed again with the middle-aged dad jam band in Los Angeles. Our pal Devlin Wilder was once again at the show, and he said Al came out and sang 8675309. And by Devlin's report, Al did sing the original number, not Jenny's new number, 52041899, as he had during the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. And perhaps more shockingly, he did not sing the parody song 3725806 by the supergroup Easy Listening featuring musicians Zeb Lemke and Ethan Allman. Now, Weird Al has been trying to keep up with all the new social media platforms that have been popping up recently. So you can find him via Al Yankovic on Blue Sky, as well as Alfred Yankovic on Threads. So far, we have seen Al post a few unique things on both places. Is that enough of a reason to join a brand new social media platform? For us? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, while we aren't necessarily committing to regular posting just yet, we did secure our normal handle, 2000 inch on both blue sky and threads give us a follow over there now it's time for what's happening in grammy award-winning jim chemo west related news chemo's new album of wood and spirit is officially out and available everywhere fine music is sold we'll have more about the album in our interview with chemo coming up later this episode and all we'll say for now is that it's pretty stinking majestic you mean the album or our interview both and now it's time for What's Happening in David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast-related news! Attention Patreon family, you can now listen up through episode 46 centimeter, that's Springfield, Illinois, of our ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episode series right now over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. Stay tuned as more episodes will be dropping soon, including the rest of the makeup shows from February 2023 and a review of a concert that neither Dave or I were at. Want to hear all these episodes early? Well, sign up over at patreon.com slash 2000inch and become a member of our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. Come on, all the cool kids are doing it. Also, we wanted to make sure that everyone was aware that Stitcher, one of the oldest podcasting apps, is shutting down. The podcast platform will officially close on August 29th, just over 15 years after it first launched. 
Now, we know a lot of you like to listen to Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast through the Stitcher app, so we wanted to make sure that you were all aware. Well, we expect Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast to be available on SiriusXM's flagship subscription business once the transition is complete. We also wanted to let you know that each and every episode is always available to listen on our website over at 2000inch.com. We're also on all the major podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. And if we're not on your favorite podcast app, let us know and we'll be sure to add it. Wherever you listen to us, we encourage you to subscribe so that you do not miss a single episode the second that it drops. We're also currently unsure what's going to happen to the 77 archived concert recordings from the 2018 Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour that are currently on Stitcher Premium, but we hope they find a home elsewhere. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. We'd like to share an extra special thanks to Burrito Burrito this episode for supporting us from the very beginning. And now we are super thrilled to introduce you to this episode's guest. All right, take it away, Ethan. Dave and I are absolutely thrilled to bring our podcast all the way back to the very first episode with our very first guest. He's returning for our 200th inch. Please welcome the Grammy Award winning slack key guitarist and guitarist for Weird Al Yankovic, Jim Kimo West. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Aloha. <laughs> Mahalo. Aloha. <laughs> Mahalo. Uh, it's great to be here, guys. That's that's amazing. 200 episodes. That's incredible. Who would have thought when you were recording our <laughs> podcast theme song, would you have ever thought we'd make it 200 episodes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is just just great. It just shows you how much uh, how much interest is out there for sure. That's right. Yeah. We're really thankful to have had your support from the beginning, and we're so excited because you just released a brand new album, and so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. We just we have so much to cover, so Kimo, let's start with your brand new album. Yes, yeah. Well, it's uh, it dropped today, actually. Today's release day. It's called Of Wood and Spirit, and it's something uh, uh, I've been working on for a while. It's a um, a concept I had of a very sort of dreamy, transcendental uh, Americana sound. So it's very acoustic and very, but very sort of wide open and uh, with a lot of textures and elements. And um, it's sort of an idea I had, uh, something I thought might appeal to all the Nashville yoga moms. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, it's a it's something I, I I've been thinking about that I just just like the idea of of this this kind of sound and it's. Um, it's 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 kind of a cool vibe. It's very like I say, very acoustic. It's all acoustic pretty much, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of different elements. We have um, I have some great players like Greg Lease playing pedal steel, who plays with you know everybody from Joni Mitchell to Katie Lang to Jackson Brown to John Mayer. To, you know he's wow. a, he's he's his resume goes on for about 
10 minutes, you know, if you <laughs> scroll through it. But, um, but amazing players, uh, Gabe Witcher on fiddle, um, Jimmy Johnson and Michael Mannering are playing fretless bass, um, M.B. Gordy playing percussion. I've got um, Charlie Bicharat playing violin as well, and Craig Eastman and... Uh, Simone Vitucci playing cello. I got a bunch of great, great players on the record, so I was really lucky for that. You know, who I was really interested to hear about uh, playing blues harmonica is Robert Bobomatic West. Is that your brother? Yes, it is. He lives in Hana, and um, last time I was out there, I uh, um, I had the idea of having him just play some harmonica on a track, and I didn't really have a real recording setup with him, but I had a little USB microphone, so I hung it from the ceiling fan and had him. <laughs> blow some blues harmonica on the song <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> that's cool <laughs> now how many brothers do you have i know i met at least one of your brothers at a show once yeah i have an older brother who lives in canada um alan yeah okay and, that's um, must have been who i yeah. met yeah that's my older brother and i my uh, bob is my younger brother and he lives um lives in hana how cool wow mm-hmm. how all great <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, he lives actually, I should say, in Nahiku, which is like about 20 minutes before you get to Hana. So it's it's very jungly there. Um, not a lot of people live there. It's very jungly and wet and, you know, rainy. And we call it the mold coast. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk a little bit about the road to Hana since you brought it up, because uh, Ethan and I were both after you. We were there, too, Jim, for uh, the two shows that Weird Al did in Hawaii for the first time ever. And I stayed a little bit longer, my wife and I, Jackie, and we did that road to Hana. And that is quite a road that I anybody who goes to Maui has got to do that road at least once because it is so crazy. You're you're going through and you, like you said, there's one part that is just you feel like you're in a jungle, like in the middle of of Africa or something. It's crazy. And then, you know, you're you're driving by in these great, you know, views of the beach and everything. And then you actually get to Hana and Hana is like the most laid back place in the world. So I can understand, you know, why you love going to Maui so much. <laughs> yeah, well, Hana was the first place I ever went in Hawaii. It was just a, uh, you know, just a random thing that I ended up going out with a friend to visit somebody else and flew right, uh, flew into Kahului and then flew on the small plane right into Hana. Hana has a little tiny airstrip and we landed right at the Hana airport. And um, so that was my first experience of Hawaii was Hana, which is one of the most Hana, you know, Hawaiian, huh? Hawaiian places in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was actually relieved when I saw the name of your new album, Jim, of Wooden Spirit. It doesn't have a Hawaiian word in it. And I know, you know, when Dave and I are promoting your stuff on the podcast, it's always stressful <laughs> for us to pronounce things correctly. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, I had a good time making the record. It was very, um, very fun to make. And like I say, I have a lot of, a lot of great players contributing to it. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that's, you know, I don't know how you can categorize it. I don't really, you know, think about that when I'm writing music. I never try and think of, well, what genre is it going to fit into or what, you know, how or what are people going to call it? I just, I just make the music and then let it kind of find its own place. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, so, Jim, I'm curious about your process. Do you sit down with the intention of writing something, or is it just something that comes to you and an inspiration? Um, you know, it usually comes from improvisation, and um, 
I use a lot of different tunings on the guitar. You know, I never use standard tuning on these records. And and I, um, a lot of my inspiration comes from, you know, exploring un unusual tunings, you know, and finding different possibilities. And, and sometimes just uh, some ideas will pop out and then you just kind of follow that path, you know, and see where it takes you, you know. Um, I mean, I, you know, I used to write a lot of music for film and TV, and in that situation, you do just sit down and go, okay, what am I going to do here, you know? Mm -hmm. And you, you come up with a plan. And, and with, with my music, uh, for my records, it's, it's more about just waiting for that, that moment, just improvising and, and letting it kind of take you where it wants to go, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I'd, I would love to, I mean, this is a great, uh, like you said, it's just the third in your story series. Uh, and in this one, you wrote all these songs while you were touring. Is that when you were touring with Weird Al or is that when you were touring just on your own, your own slack key or is it a combination? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, basically the idea is that, you know, I've over the years I've, I've toured all across America and every state we've been to every state and, um, you know, and over the years, I mean, all those years back, uh, I mean, you, you definitely see a lot. You meet a lot of people. You see a lot of changes in the country. And mm -hmm. um, so it's it's sort of an amalgam of of those experiences, you know, just, just inspired okay. by different places in America and different, you know, feelings from different parts of the country. And, and there's a lot of variety. You know, I have something, a track on there that's very sort of New Orleans um, and uh, feeling and... Um, I have a track that actually uses banjo, but it uses it in the, like an old African style because banjo originally came from Africa, you know. Wow. So, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's like I say, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a mix of, of those kind of influences and, um, and uh, sort of rootsy, I guess you'd call it, Americana rootsy sound, but, but again, very sort of cinematic and um, sort of dreamy, you know, that's sort of the vibe and the, that was, you know, I, I that the only thing I had in mind basically was the overall sound of the record, and as far as the compositions, I, they just kind of came on their own, you know. Yeah, it's it's really cool. You do cover pretty much the entire United States here. You know, you got the West Coast, the South, Nevada. You got some stuff from Hawaii. You, you're covering everything here. <laughs> Jim, when you are on the road, uh, you know, especially you know in tour buses, are you guys jamming? Are you guys improvising? Are you guys playing music, or is is the bus really just a time to rest? Well, you know, I, I used to, you know, the thing is most of our traveling is done at night. So right. usually, you know, we leave around, you know, 1 a.m. So by that point, people are pretty much into just chilling out and going to sleep, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, the, in, the old, in the old days, we used to travel a lot during the day. And, you know, that would be sometimes we'd sit around and play. And, of course, you got to be careful with your guitars because if the bus, you know, sla if they slam on the brakes, you could go flying and your guitar could get smashed. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. Wow. So uh, that's something to consider. You know, usually I wouldn't pull out an acoustic guitar on the bus mm -hmm. unless it was just a, ju a junker, you know. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but most of our traveling is at night, so there's not a lot of, you know, musical stuff going on on the bus. It's pretty much just about chilling out and then getting some sleep, you know. Right, right. Uh-huh, yeah. Since we're already talking about Hawaii, I would love to talk about the very end of the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour when you guys did play Hawaii for the very first time. I have to imagine this has been something that you've wanted to do for quite a while. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, I've always brought it up, but I also understood that, you know, the the regular tour with the big video and all that stuff, it was just never going to pan out to, you know, 
it would just cost too much to, to bring that tour to Hawaii because right. there was only really two places we could play and and it would just be um, crazy. But then, well, you know, with this tour, I thought, well, I thought it could be a possibility. And and even though originally it wasn't on the schedule, uh, we were originally going to finish up in Australia. and um, But then they added the two Hawaii dates, which um, was was pretty cool. So I, um, yeah, it's nice. Now we've played every state. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's incredible. And I, I, I know Dave and I, we both just had such an incredible time getting to go there and, and see you guys. But what was really an even bigger surprise to us, I think was for that first show in Ohana was you opened the show with Slack Key. Yeah. Well, it wasn't planned. Um, as you probably know, I mean, um, it was sort of a, uh, a situation where you know Steve got sick and and we were going to possibly have to delay the show and um, our tour manager didn't like the idea of delaying the show at all so um, she texted me around noon and said hey would you open up the show and I said yeah of course I'm happy to help out and and then I said you know I'd like to have a, a hula dancer so you know can we bring somebody on and pay them a little money and she said of course you know so I started making some calls to all my friends and uh, what they call the coconut wireless, you know, just you know, <laughs> putting the word out and seeing seeing if I could get a dancer. Most of them were, were working that night because it was uh, um, Saturday or something. It was a weekend yeah, night, yeah. so a lot of them were working. But um, I was able to get uh, a great dancer and have her come out and do one song. And, and it, you know, it was a, it was – you know, it was a terrible situation, but it all worked out really well. Um, by the time Emo had was in the middle of his set, uh, Miles, Steve's son, had showed up, had come in from Los Angeles. His plane had landed, and he got to the venue, and he got there just enough time just to sort of plug in and do a quick little sound test, and off we went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as terrible as the situation was, it's it's sort of kismet that it worked out that way, and I think that's a really cool you know footnote on the the Hawaiian shows is that that got to happen. Yeah, it, it worked out very nicely. And, um, and, you know, uh, it's funny cause I, you know, being on the tour, uh, I've mostly been playing the, the weird Al repertoire. I hadn't really been playing a lot of slack key, but I thought, well, I'll just play some stuff that I know well and, um, you know, practice a bit before the show, but it was totally fine. I had a good time and, and I, you know, it was a lot of people in Honolulu know who I am through because of my, the slack key career. And so I felt a lot of, um, you know, I felt very at home, you know, yeah. basically. It was very comfortable, very at home. I had a lot of friends in the audience, and it was just like, oh, this is this is just wonderful. I had a, had a really good time, and and it was nice to have them, really nice to have the dancer, too, come out and do a do a song with me. Yeah, that dancer was, was incredible. She was amazing. I'm happy to hear that you, uh, you were very comfortable up there and you had a lot of friends in the audience. I was actually going to ask the question the other way and say, is there additional pressure on playing Hawaiian slacky music while you're actually in Hawaii where people will be much more familiar with it than let's say you were playing in New York City or something like that? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's any pressure. I mean, um, I, um, I do like to sort of custom, you know, tailor my sets to where I'm playing. Um, like in Hawaii, I can do plenty of songs. If I wanted to sing a lot of songs in Hawaiian language, it wouldn't be, a, you know, it would be great because most people know those songs. Um, maybe if I was playing on the somewhere else, I might not want to do too much in Hawaiian language because people aren't going to understand it, you know. Right. But, um, but no, I mean, as far as uh, there's certainly no pressure, I feel a little more at home in Hawaii playing slack key because it's an accepted, 
you know, form there, and people, most people know it, you know. Um, but generally on the West Coast, there's still a lot of um, a lot of folks who 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 know Hawaiian music and slack key, and so it's uh, um, it's you know pretty pretty well known on the West Coast. Once you get to the East Coast, not so much, you know. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you mentioned that uh, some of your uh, slack key and uh, Hawaiian friends were in the audience, and it, it made me think of any time I've gone to one of your solo shows. I always I'm kind of the outsider, you know. I'm the the Weird Al fan coming into the slack key show. And I have to imagine that maybe the opposite was happening with some of those folks. Are they, yeah. I have to imagine, more familiar with your Slacky than your work with Al? Were they surprised? What was their reaction? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well I mean, a lot of people uh, a lot of people know me just for my Slacky. And then when they see me play with Al, they, you know, it's it's such a different thing. That right. Kind of, uh, you know, blown away <laughs> at, the, at the, the difference, you know. <laughs> and, you know, normally, in, you know, with Slacky, I'm, it's a mellow thing. I'm sitting down, or it's just a you know, it's a very chilled out thing. And with Al, it's it's a rock and roll show. So they're right. you know, sometimes they're very surprised to see me rock and rock and rolling <laughs> up there, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I had a number of friends in the audience. Um, some, uh, uh, in fact, Jeff Peterson was in the audience. He's a really wonderful slack key player. And, uh, we've been friends for a long time. And um, um, Ian O'Sullivan, another great player. Uh, some. Other other folks that I, I I've known for years were at the show too, and it was probably their first time seeing me play with Al. That's so awesome. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, the same way that uh, you know us as Al fans have been introduced to and love slack key music. Hopefully, the opposite is true. Now that we've gained some more weird Al fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but every, uh, all my friends who who had never seen the show were were really uh, blown away, and they just had you know lots and lots of compliments and. Um, and it's always fun to play for play for somebody who's never seen the show before, you know, because you know that they're <laughs> they're uh, you know that it's it's they're they're surprised if, yeah. if nothing else, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about the the final shows of the tour. I want to jump all the way back to the first show of the tour back in Poughkeepsie, New York. You guys played our theme song on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. That's the only time that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we we kept hoping that it would show up again, but we were still thrilled to hear it. I mean, I'm still kind of speechless over it. Um, so, <laughs> you know, officially want to thank you again for, for doing that. How did that come to be? I'm assuming that was Al's idea? Yeah, it was Al's idea. I had no, you know, I was it was a total surprise to me. And it was like, hey, we're going to do the, the podcast theme song. I was like, really? <laughs> I thought, oh, I better go back and learn it again. Uh, you know, I recorded it, but it's, you know, I'd right. kind of, I'd kind of forgotten it, so I had to kind of go back and learn it. But, but it was fun. Yeah. It was like, you know, it is kind of fun to play up tempo rock stuff like that. It's, you know, I wish it could have gone on a little longer. But, right. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> and we had uh, we had some. Um, Special guests backstage at that show too. I think I think that was the one we had. Lin Lin Manuel Miranda was backstage, and uh, his family. Paul Rudd, I think, was at that show. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to yeah, start the was, tour. <laughs> yeah, what a way to start the tour. 
Now, Jim, this is uh, you obviously did the lead vocals on that, and Al was doing the background vocals. Can you think of any other time where Al was not taking lead vocals up on stage? No, I don't. I really don't. Um, I mean, there are certain songs where I've sung sort of lead vocal parts, like on songs where um, maybe like Don't Download This Song, where there's some vocal improvisation that, you know, is sort of like a second lead lead vocal part. Right, but, right. But nothing, nothing to that extent. No. <laughs> and was wow. <laughs> was this the first time that a you know a Jim Kimo West original was covered by Weird Al and his band? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Well, and actually, no. Um, we had many years ago. We um, we would have these emergency songs because we had this terrible video server that would always crash. You know. Right. Um, and. Um, so we had different songs, like one of them was Radio Radio by Elvis Costello. You know, if the whole thing went, you know, crapped out, we would just bust <laughs> into that. But then Al, Al said um, one time, it's like, well, we need something if I, you know, if I'm off stage um, getting dressed and then the whole thing goes down, then you guys need to play something. Oh. And so I, yeah, and so I came up with this really like agro metal um, thing um, and and it was just like a real and it just had a, like a chant chorus. It was called technical difficulties, you know, technical difficulties, <laughs> technical difficulties. You know, it was real real aggro, like in a weird time signature, and and um, and sure enough, you know, so we rehearsed it, and then sure enough, and uh, at the Milwaukee Summerfest, it was pouring rain and. The whole thing went down, and and Al yelled out from backstage, "Technical difficulties." It was like, "Oh God, how does that go again?" <laughs> and all of a sudden, we just counted it off, and we and we played it, and I sang it. Wow! And um, oh wow! And uh, somebody, I remember getting a message going, "Oh, you, I like that tune. You guys need to do that more often." You know. <laughs> <laughs> Was, was that only one time performed? One time, yeah. It was wow. only, the only time. Wow. Yeah. yeah, the only time it was ever performed was in Milwaukee Summerfest. Well, I, I guess I, I'm going to have to make a distinction, Jim. That is technically an Al's band song, since Al wasn't performing as part of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yep. I, I think yeah, our, I, our podcast theme song is still the only... Chemo original performed by Al in the band. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, that- I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm happy that Al liked it enough to want to want to play it. You know, I mean, that's that's, you know, I, I, when I when I wrote it, I was thinking, you know, I want to write something that Al would dig that would, you know, be sort of down his, you know, mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in his ballpark, you know, um, his wheelhouse, as they say, but something that he would uh, relate to, and I'm I'm glad he you know he chose it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did yeah. how did the rehearsal process go? Did you have to teach the guys how to play it, or how did that actually work? Oh, it was very simple. I mean, we just had the recording, and everybody just listened to it, and you know, there wasn't much you know to talk about other than just you know how fast are we going to do it? Are we going to slow it down a bit, or you know, because yeah. it is pretty fast, but. But um, yeah, I mean, we rehearsed it pretty quickly, and um, and uh, it wasn't you know didn't have to really labor over it too much. It's pretty straight ahead. So. <laughs> I I think we kind of I might have given Ruben some parts, you know, some other 
guitar parts to play because there was a few different guitars on there. So I, oh, okay. I think I had him had him do sort of a simulated guitar parts or something, but it was pretty straight ahead, pretty simple. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. And how how long was this? How long was technical difficulties time wise? Oh, good question. I would say it was about two two minutes or two and a half. It wasn't very long. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I guess it was open ended in case we had to just keep playing. You know, we could there okay. was like a section we could just, <laughs> just vamp on and do some solos if we had to. You know. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping there would be a video somewhere of it, but I, I don't I don't know if there is or not, but. Um, I don't think I've ever but, heard of that song before. I think that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we can track it down. I would love what? to hear it. That's <laughs> I I don't even remember it. Yeah, if there's a video out there of that song, you you can count on our listeners tracking it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it's possible. I don't know. Um, but it was, um, yeah, I don't, you know, we never recorded it or anything, so there's no, nothing was ever put on paper. It was just like, okay, <laughs> let's do this section and then this section. And, you know, we just rehearsed it quickly and figured it out. And and uh, That's so great. I, I can't remember much about it other than the one section was in, like, a strange time signature, like 9-8 or something. <laughs> wow. That's so great. Uh, I guess so. We talked about the first show. We talked about the last show. I, I think we need to talk about the rest of the 100 plus, you know, 27 plus weeks <laughs> of tour um, in t- 2022, plus the European stuff and the early 2023 stuff. I mean, this was, uh, from all accounts, the longest tour, nonstop tour that you guys have ever done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How did you hold up? How, how did you feel about that? Well, I did pretty good, although, uh, you know, when it was coming down to the last couple of months, I was ready for it to be over. You know, I was just, you know, that's a long time because that first tour was about six months and that's um, far longer than we've ever toured before. And, um, I mean, you know, it didn't affect the shows or anything. The shows were fine. It's just that um, at a certain point it was like, gee, I would really like to like to get back home. <laughs> right, right. And I, I, I had already done almost two months of touring at the beginning of the year on the International Guitar Night Tour, you know. So that was uh, almost eight months of touring for me that year. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done some touring, but I, not, never more than a, a couple weeks at a time. I, I really just can't even comprehend what six months or, in your case, almost eight months on the road is like. Well, it's, it's, it's a real, we have, it's a real, you know, it's a system that works very well and everything, um, you fall into that, into that groove, you know, um, there's not a ton of surprises. It's, you know, we're taken care of pretty well. We, you know, it was, you know, the, probably the most difficult thing was just dealing with COVID and stuff. Cause we all got COVID not that year. And, right. you know, that was the, yeah. that was the big problem just having, you know, I, when I got COVID, I, I didn't miss any shows, but I had to play off stage in a side, in a room off the side, you know, in a dressing room, and I had to drive myself to gigs and rent a cars, you know. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but um, you know, as as far as everything else, I mean, that was that was definitely the main thing. And then we were, you know, of course, testing every night, and so the COVID thing that first year was definitely um, yeah. The protocol made yeah, made yeah. things really, really, really different. Um, and then for for this uh, last tour, not so much because we didn't really uh, 
nobody was following the pro doing any protocols in Europe and stuff. So we um, sort of, you know, didn't. Uh, it was you know different in that respect. We weren't testing yeah. every day and all yeah. that stuff. But um, yeah. but yeah, it was. It's altogether quite a lot of touring over two years. It's for sure. And I'm, I'll be, you know, I'll be actually touring in. Uh, the fall in Europe on another, the International Guitar Night Tour, the um, European version, um, uh, called Nacht der Gitarren. My German's not very good, but meaning <laughs> night, of, night of a guitar. But I'll be starting that in October. Wow. And um, wow. And uh, so I'll have, you know, about like six weeks or so of that to do. So it's been a busy year. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, yeah that's, sure. that's incredible. I, you know, so the, the times that you were unable to perform on stage because of your COVID diagnosis and you were backstage, uh, Dave and I were not in attendance. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear about the shows, you know, for you and, and for the band. How, how was it? I mean, that's, that's such a, uh, it, it seems like such an interesting and unique experience for you. Well, I mean, musically, um, for it was it was all the same. I had all my same you know equipment, my guitars, my you know in ear monitors, and you know, I was t I just couldn't see anybody. Um, although some some venues they did have a video screen back there in the dressing room where I could see this sort of the audience audience view of the stage, hmm. and and that was kind of you know helpful. But uh, uh, it was really no problem. It worked fine. I could play and play all my parts and sing everything just fine and. And then Al would explain that, oh, you might have noticed that there's nobody sitting in this chair, and then he would explain what's happening. <laughs> and we would have some we would have some banter, you know, back and forth, and he'd say, how are you doing back there? And i go, oh, it's great. I'm just playing in my underwear tonight. Right. <laughs> and, um, and one night it was, you know, we were talking, and I said, well, Al, I'm just, you know, I'm getting tired of pizza, you know. And he goes, what? And he goes, yeah, it's the only thing that'll slide under the door. <laughs> 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 oh that's great <laughs> but yeah it, it worked out fine it was you know it was fine and um so uh, you know i didn't miss any shows and it uh it just we just our tour manager made it made it work and um and um luckily it all just you know i was able to you know drive rent cars to the you know instead of take the bus and and it was fine you know the cars i just get my get my Spotify going and get a Starbucks through the, from the drive-thru and, you know, yep. stuff like that. It was fine. You know, I don't mind driving. So, mm. When you were doing the Yoda chant, were you still doing the uh, the motions backstage, the choreography? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I didn't have to do any choreography. That, was, that would have been funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, somebody did take a little quick video of me doing playing backstage but i you know i wasn't doing all the mo motions and stuff you know? okay okay <laughs> but um but yeah no it was it was it worked out well it was it was it was kind of nice because um you know like i said i didn't have to get dressed up i could just you know uh, everything was you know usually it's a nice dressing room it has a bathroom and it has a little refrigerator and you know i had all <laughs> kinds of stuff there it was <laughs> it's kind of nice. After a while, I was like, you know, I kind of like this. You know? <laughs> You're like, oh, I, I still have COVID, guys. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of getting used to it. It was, it was pretty cool. 
Well, Ethan and I are curious about one song in particular that you perform on the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. And that song is, Why Does This Always Happen to Me? We noticed that in that song, you have background vocals for that song, but you don't actually play a guitar, yet you're actually holding your guitar. And we were curious uh, the reasoning behind why you're still holding a guitar, yet not playing it during that song. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's. I think um, it's just easier to, you know, since I was playing, uh, you know, playing on the song before and playing on the song afterwards, it's, for me, it's just a little easier to just, hang on to the guitar and um you know rather than put it down and pick it up and you know just seemed just seemed easier it was no real no real reason <laughs> but um it's uh or maybe it's a comfort thing it's you know it's i'm comfortable with the guitar in my in my lap okay. <laughs> right yeah. makes sense <laughs> yeah, i think originally i i like to have it in case i needed a reference note for my vocal or something i'd have the guitar i could like plunk a note hmm. going oh yeah there's the note you know but um <laughs> But no, I just, yeah, it was just easier just to keep it on rather than put it down okay. and pick it up again. Another song I wanted to ask you about was Generic Blues, where Al does the make it talk and, you know, you do your kind of annoying solo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I noticed that kind of over the tour, it sort of evolved into something different. And I was curious if you could talk about that. Um, yeah. Um, gee, I forget now. Um, I know Al gave me some suggestions, and uh, I, I would say like the beginning of the tour, it was more uh, what we would expect from the album, and I think the way I was describing it uh, from cl closer to the end of the tour was it, it seemed like it sort of climbed it, and it got higher and higher and higher as you played it. Right, right, right. That's right. Yeah, I kind of go into this dissonant, you know, nonsense kind of riff, <laughs> and then I just. I think I just decided to just kind of go higher and higher and higher and, you know, just make it more annoying and uh, as it goes higher, you know. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to play. Um, if somebody asks you to play badly, you know. Right. And it has happened on, on some right. records. I can't think of, there, are, there were a couple of recording sessions where Al was like, no, no, that's not bad enough. Make it worse, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized the the way to do that was to switch the guitar around so and play left handed, which oh. you can't do, you know. Oh, that's and then brilliant. You sound, oh. Then you then you sound like a total beginner, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you playing left handed is still like five million times better than me playing correctly handed. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a challenge. It's actually, it's actually. I was thinking it's actually pr probably pretty good practice to do things like that. You know, just. <laughs> Every so often, just switch it around and see if you can do it the opposite way, you know? And another song we wanted to touch on was uh, My Own Eyes, which starts off with a 45-minute power G chord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. just curious... Uh, yeah, how that came to be, and uh, and uh, as well as uh, if you ever had the intention to really play forty five minutes of a power. <laughs> well, I was just you know it's just Al's idea, just a just a funny bit, you know, and and sometimes he would let it go pretty long. Yeah. Like, is he really going to come in? Is he going to just let it go? <laughs> yep. I love that. <laughs> Another song I wanted to ask about is Velvet Elvis. And I was wondering, 
that noise that kind of starts the song is that a a noise that is coming from guitar is that something from from al or ruben or where, what are, what how would you describe it and what is that noise um it's a low low synth pad yeah ruben's playing that yeah it's just okay. a low low kind of synth note droning note yeah that starts it off yeah and i, I don't come in till the drums come in on that one dave and i know it just as the velvet elvis noise but we, we we're yeah. not technical <laughs> enough to know what it is <laughs> Dave and I were both really lucky to, to get to see a lot of incredible shows and uh, travel to a lot of really cool places. And I know there are certain venues that stick out to us as being super memorable, but I'm curious which ones for you were, were really cool to, to get to either cities to visit or venues to perform in for this past tour. Oh, gee, you know, it's kind of a whirlwind, you know, and it's it's kind of hard to look back at this point and go, which 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 venue was the best? You know, there were right. a lot of a lot of famous ones, you know, and of course, playing Carnegie Hall was pretty hard to beat because, yeah, um, okay. you know, that's we had never played there. And it's such an iconic place. Um, and um, Lincoln Center um as well but you know the Carnegie Hall for sure I mean just being backstage and seeing all the the posters for the most you know iconic performers in the world you know uh, it's just like wow what am I doing here (laughs) this is crazy (laughs) did it yeah that was that was pretty much the capper for me did it live up to the hype uh going into it that you had yeah I mean it's a beautiful venue and um um, you know, I can't say what it sounded like because I'm always using the in-ear monitor, right. so it kind of <laughs> sounds pretty much the same every night. But, but it was a real thrill to be there, and um, yeah, pretty unforgettable. And uh, it was pretty cool to be able to say you played Carnegie Hall and it was sold out. It's, uh, yeah, and I, I had some good, some you know, some friends in the audience too. That that was always, you know, some other friends of mine that that came. Um, Matt from Fractal Audio. They they're the ones who make my guitar amplification equipment um cool. fractal axe fractal axe effects is what i use and so he's the one of the main people in that company so he and his family were there that was really sweet and it was halloween and they were they were they had amazing costumes matt was like <laughs> count he was like the most amazing yeah. count dracula you've ever seen it was incredible. <laughs> there's another song i did want to ask you about while we're still on uh the tour and that is the lounge version of Dare to be Stupid, uh, but more importantly, the story that Weird Al uh, tells <laughs> before of how he he met you and Steve in some some seedy <laughs> lounge somewhere. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, uh, what were some of your favorite uh, versions of that story? Oh, man. Uh, some of them were pretty outrageous. <laughs> um, you know, I... Um, God, I mean, he. I, I think you know the, the one I heard a lot. I remember was that he was on a cruise, and then he went to like the, the bar, and there was nobody in there, and just us playing music, and it was like <laughs> just pathetic. And all the, usually, whatever it was, it was just some pathetic situation. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I told him. I said, "Hey, you know, you should, you should, you should do one where you tell me you met us in prison." <laughs> I remember you told me that at one of the the shows afterwards. You were like, "I suggested this to Al. He didn't seem too into it." So I was I, I was super surprised um, in Paso Robles when Al actually took your suggestion. Yeah, <laughs> he, he said uh, that he met you in prison, but he said you were in prison for bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> I would have uh, 
never expected <laughs> Al to say that. <laughs> Did you know that was coming, or was that a surprise? <laughs> no, no, that was. I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, that guy gets gets crazy. <laughs> Looking back on your career, were there ever actual uh, CD lounges or cruise ships that you did perform? <laughs> well, I mean, pl- I never played on a cruise ship, but I've certainly played in many CD lounges over yeah. you know, in my um, in my life. I mean, it, I, I grew up in Florida, and I um, I I played. Um, you know, usually I was in a, a band, and we would just play different places all the time. And usually it was you know pretty good rock type bands, and we you know play rock rock clubs and things like that you know um although there was one time i was i was in between gigs and um a friend of mine said hey you know we need a guitar player you know at this it's a house band gig and it's out in lakeland florida it's kind of out in the east of tampa a pretty redneck area out there and and he goes yeah it's a you know it's it's a seven night a week gig but but you if you want to a night off, you can get somebody to fill in for you, you know, and, um, and which I did, you know, but I played there, I forget for, you know, a couple of months or something. But anyway, the leader of the band, um, I think his name was Mike. He was a really, really nice guy. He played bass, but he sang most of the songs. So he, um, it was hard for him to get a sub, as they say, a, you know, a fill in guy, you know, cause you have to be able to sing a whole night's worth of stuff and play bass. And yeah. Um, but this, this club was really seedy and the, the, the owner was this re- this cigar chomping cowboy hat wearing redneck. I mean, he was just a racist kind of, you know, just the, the epitome of, of that, you know? Yeah. And, and he really didn't like us, but you know, he put up with us and, but anyway, so Mike, the leader said, Hey, I got this guy. Um, he's going to come and fill in. And, um, I can't think of his name. He was a really nice guy. Just sweetest guy he came in and he had lots of songs he could sing and we were just going down the list and and there was a song by Johnny Paycheck that was a big hit right then called Take This Job and Shove It and so we started into that song and right in the middle of the song the bar owner the redneck guy came up and just said you know take this stuff down you're fired right get out of here right now he thought we were like talking to him personally you know and so he, he, he fu- fired us right in the middle of the song. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> Were you uh, secretly happy to be done with that gig? <laughs> uh, it didn't bother me, you know. And we yeah. had to call the we had to call the leader up and tell him, "Hey, we just got fired." And you know, he just kind of he had been there for like a year, so he was like, "Oh well," you know. He just kind of laughed and said, uh, "Whatever." You know? It was terrible, pretty bad. We had to call the leader up and tell him we lost, you know, we got fired from his gig, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably like what did you guys do <laughs> and the poor guy who was filling in was the nicest guy and he was just devastated it was like what you know i mean he, this was his first night filling in and he was doing a great job you know yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i definitely played some cd cd live yeah even when i even after i came to la i think i played i think steve and i played with somebody with in like a Harley, like a biker bar, like a, you know, Hell's Angel bar, Chatsworth or something. (laughs) Yeah, I remember once I was, 
I was singing a song by David Bowie. And I introduced it. It was a song by David Bowie. And in the middle of the song, this, this biker, Hell's Angel, comes up to me and grabs me by the collar. And he said, if you ever play another song by David Allen Coe, I'm going to tear this stuff up right now. <laughs> and he thought I had said, I said David Bowie, but he thought I said David Allen Coe. And David Allen Coe was a, a singer-songwriter, but he was kind of like the enemy of the Hell's Angels. <laughs> So they, um, it kind of looked like what you guys looked like in the movie, you know. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, was, yeah. I mean, it was kind of oh, yeah. like, like that scene, you know, in the movie. But you know, he came up to me and was like, gonna, you know, was gonna like beat me up for playing a David Allen Coe. I just said, "Oh yeah, no problem. We won't do that one again." <laughs> yeah. No time to explain. Just get off the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. Wow. Yeah, so I definitely played a few CD lounges. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, you mentioned the movie, and I think that's a great segue. Uh, of course, Weird the El Yankovic Story features a, a wonderful performance by Jack Lancaster playing Jim West. Uh, what were your thoughts? What, what can you tell us about seeing the film for the first time and what you thought of Jack's performance? Yeah, he, well, he was great. He was obviously a guitar player, so, you know, he definitely knew what he was doing on the guitar. I mean, even though the audio, what you hear is me playing, but, but, um, but yeah, he did a great job. I, you know, when the movie was being made, um, I had no idea that there was going to be even people playing, uh, playing the band in the movie. I just, I thought, well, maybe the have some, you know, sort of guys in the shadows in the back or whatever. And, <laughs> right. And I was on Facebook one day, and I guess I got tagged in a in a, in a post, and it was by the actor's mom, and it, it said, you know, this thing popped up. It said, oh, I'm so happy that my son Jack is getting to play Jim Kimo West in the new Weird Al movie. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And I had to, of course, look him up and see who he was and everything. But, yeah, he did a great job, and... um and you guys were great. You guys were great bikers, man. I tell you, it was like thank very you. convincing. I mean, it's like I would not have run <laughs> oh, into you. you guys in a dark alley. <laughs> you would not have played David Allen Coe near us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, he, I think all the guys who played the band members that were fantastic, and um, it's nice to. It's really uh, nice to see it getting all those uh, eight, getting eight Emmy nominations. Oh my That's gosh! Yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, so and so well deserved yeah. too. Yeah, they didn't have that category of best biker performance, so I'm sure you guys would have won. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. best biker performance in a movie made for TV. <laughs> a very specific genre. <laughs> Have you had any conversations with Jack uh, either before he the movie or after the movie? Not really. You know, I, I, I tried to send him a message on because I only had Facebook uh, Messenger or something. I tried to send him a message on there, but I didn't hear back. But um, I should try and get his email address or something and send him a note. But, oh, yeah, he did yeah. a great job. Yeah, I think he's from England. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think he might be English. But, you know, because some of these English actors are so good at doing American accents that you can't even tell, you know. There are a lot of a lot of great great English actors that you would never know 
were English, you know. Oh yeah. Roles. Yeah, we were. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were really lucky to get to uh, talk to him a little bit. Um, oh, cool! At, at the premiere and at um, actually when we were on set filming, uh, oh, we cool. we uh, ran into him in the the garage as we we're leaving. So we we got to say hi and. Uh, let him know that we knew the real Jim Kimo West. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, what uh, was it like uh, revisiting some of those old tracks and you know recording, you know, like a surgeon and and uh, yeah. I Love Rocky Road? What was that like for you? Well, it was it was fun. I mean, um, you know, fun to sort of hear them again. We, you know, I guess basically uh, it was cheaper to re-record them than it was to license the original recordings because they'd have to go to the record label and, you know, I'm sure the record label wanted a fortune, you know. Right. So it was cheaper just to re- redo them. So some of them, um, some of them I I did hear, some of the snippets, I think, like a surgeon I did hear. I think maybe I took it into the studio and then Bermuda, I think Steve played on it. I can't remember, but I, I remember starting it here at my studio and some of those other, a few of those other tracks, I can't remember now. I think Eat It, we... We played in the studio, but there were a few things I did here anyway. Yeah. Can't remember. Mm. I mean, um, I think I lost on Jeopardy was one of them and um, uh, two or three things I did here. But Surgeon, yeah, Like a Surgeon was definitely one of them. Well, the, I mean, the song Now You Know is one of the things that Weird, the Al Yankovic story is nominated for an Emmy for. Um, yeah. So would this be your, I, I mean, that, that would count for you getting an Emmy, right? If that wins? Um, no, not really. No, I mean, it's just like a Grammy. If I, you know, if Al wins a Grammy, I don't get a a Grammy. It's just, uh, I might get a certificate saying that I, you know, participated on a Grammy winning recording. But yeah, no, I wouldn't get an an Emmy just for playing on it now. I mean, because, you know, if you had like an orchestra, then everybody would have to get Emmys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they should. Okay, well, we need 70 Emmy Awards printed up with everybody's different name. And don't misspell any of them, you know. Right. Yeah. No, um, yeah, no, it it just goes to the person whose name is on the nomination, you know, um, or who is the producer and the writer and the, you know, Al's listed as the composer of that song, so that's who it would go to. But, um... Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, generally that's how it works. Like with the Grammys, it's you um, if you play on a Grammy recording, then the the person who got the Grammy can can order these certificates, you know, for the people who who played on it. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, and so you can get like a little. I think I've got a couple of them from from Weird Al Records, um, but uh, and when my record won a Grammy a couple of years ago, I got a few of those for some of the people who you know played the you know a lot of parts on the records. Oh, that's record, so cool! So. I'd yeah. never heard of that oh, before. Very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And anything uh, memorable about uh, recording? Now you know. Well, um, you know, I I did all my parts here at home, um, just because it's more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's very unusual because it's in a strange time signature. Mostly, you know, it's in like seven eight or something like that. Very unusual. It was like. I was very surprised, and it's but it's still very catchy. So you know, I guess it was a challenge to sort of come up with a catchy riff that that still worked in that odd time signature. And um, I tried a few different things, and I kind of started going for this Mark Knopfler sort of sound, and that seemed to work. I'm sure there's so many different ways you could go, but that's sort of the first thing I came up with, and Al seemed to like it. So I I just <laughs> you know recorded it all here uh, at my place, and then um, and then they uh, 
basically, you know, added it to the master track that had the bass and drums and Al's vocal mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, I do that a lot on the records. I've recorded a lot of my the parts here at home and then bring them in. You know, it saves time because you, then you come into the studio and you've got all these parts and it's just, you know, especially ones with a lot of synth layering and things like that. There were some where I would, you know, like perform this way and things like that. I would just do the whole, you know, get all these parts arranged and then we'd come in and we wouldn't have to add much, you know, to it, you know, just uh, mm -hmm. whatever basic stuff we needed. And then it would I'll be, it'd kind of be ready to sing, you know, in, you know, within an hour or so, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, that's mm. great. Wow. Yeah, it varies. So some songs would have live bass and drums and there were other things that were very programmed, you know. But um, but I enjoy doing that. I don't know if I'll, you know, if if we're going to be doing any more recording anytime soon, but I, I do enjoy doing that. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I know we're, we, we moved on from the tour, but there was one other song I wanted to touch on and that was your horoscope for today and there's the you know the, the part in the song where there's the really fast really long vocals and uh you and al sort of um shared that part to give him a second mm -hmm. to take a breath what was um what was that like i mean that's got to be pretty tough to time <laughs> yeah i it's it's not as hard i mean it is there's one little you know there's like just a couple little places where you can take a quick breath so you just got to do it in just the right place, you right? Know? But um, but you just you know basically just take a a big deep breath beforehand. Yeah. You know, not too hard, but but I mean it's not like hardware store where it would, just, would be impossible, right. you know? Because hardware store there's like nowhere for a breath. You know? It's like just it's it it is technically impossible to sing that live, you know. I would love to mm, see it attempted yeah. though. <laughs> Do it really slow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a lounge version of it. <laughs> lounge version. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The lounge ver the lounge version of Dare to Be Stupid was um, we just came up with that in rehearsal. I you know we were just playing around with a few different things and uh, you know I you know I said hey how about this kind of jazzy bossa nova type <laughs> of thing and I picked up the acoustic and just started, you know, playing it. And we, you know, Al started singing the lead and we just, you know, <laughs> I, I found a harmony, Steve found a harmony. It just came together super fast. Oh. And and we, you know, we did a few little tweaks with the keyboard vamps and things like that. But, it, you know, we didn't even have to, Al, we didn't have to, like, arrange the vocals or, like, you know, actually write out parts or anything. We just, you know, we just fell into it and it's, it was just natural. And um, it came together very quickly. Yeah, that that was such a, a fun uh, song to hear live, and um, <laughs> I I would love for you guys to do that with other songs. I, I think it's just it's so silly and and fun, and um, yeah, you know, it really show can help highlight some of the talents of all you guys in the band. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of just taking all the all the all the big hits and doing them completely different. Yeah, you know? <laughs> bluegrass, country. <laughs> It, not only are they yeah. not, uh, it's not the parodies, and we're not singing them right. We're, we're playing right. them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're doing all the big hits, but we're playing them completely differently. <laughs> yeah. That could be a good concept. But you do that a little bit with the unplugged medley there at the end, different arrangements yeah. of some of yeah, the well, bigger that was, yeah, that's, songs. Yeah, that's the idea of, of that with the unplugged medley, was to basically take the big hits and just play them completely differently, you know? <laughs> of course, we started doing that a few years ago with Eat It, you know, doing the um, 
the uh, MTV Unplugged uh, yeah. version, of, you know, <laughs> right. the, the Layla acoustic Layla version of Eat It. <laughs> <laughs> and just to go back to Hardware Store for a moment, uh, there is another song uh, that you did pull off that has pretty fast vocals. Maybe not as fast as Hardware Store, but uh, when you guys did White and Nerdy, there was a lot of uh, oh, back yeah. and forth with the vocals there. Mm-hmm. So you were able to pull off a fast song. So I think I would let putting in another vote for you guys to attempt the hardware store yeah well al had the toughest job on that but but there yeah there are a lot of the background parts were pretty pretty fast yeah now aside from uh, obviously the dave and ethan's 2000 inch weird al podcast theme song uh were there any other cover songs from the tour that really uh stuck out to you oh man geez we did so many covers i mean it was um oh man it was there was a lot of them were fun to do it's uh I know we had a little bit of a shorter list of covers this last tour um, than the original the original tour where we had seventy seven covers or right. something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, God, I don't know. They're they're all fun to play. I mean, it's I like the variety of you know the big variety of, of sound. Um, it's hard hard to hard to pick a favorite, but yeah. Um, but yeah, they're all they're they were all fun to play. I also tried to. Um, you know, on these tours, I try to make sure like I just memorized everything. I didn't want to have charts or any, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be dependent on on charts or anything like that um, because I find that I can just be, you know, more free without the charts. You know, I, otherwise you get so locked into seeing that, you know, something on the, you know, right. you get so right. locked in to get dependent on it, you know, and then all of a sudden if the you know, the paper blew away or the iPad battery went dead or something, and you'd be, like, freaking out, you know. Right. But but I just made sure that I, you know, committed everything to memory, including the covers, you know, and just mm. it just made it more fun, you know, and it's, it's good for your brain, too, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, how about something like, I, well, we talked a little bit about David Ethan's 2000s Weird Al podcast, theme song only being performed once, but there were a few other songs, uh, such as like Take Me Down was performed once, and then you did a cover song of uh, Peaches by the President of the United States of America, which was, you only did once on the tour. Is that the same sort of process uh, for these songs that you know you're only going to do one time versus something uh, that you know, you're doing every night or multiple times during the tour? Well, on the original, um, on the original tour, um, the we did where we did the 77 covers we would just essentially we would rehearse every day and we'd rehearse the song for that evening and re- we'd rehearse the song for the next evening so each song would have two rehearsals hmm. um you know and then it was basically it you know i mean sometimes i would have to just you know listen to my listen to the track on spotify before the show just to double just to refresh my memory you know right. or something you right. know. <laughs> but um Overall, no, it was just, it was pretty straightforward. Even though we were just playing it once, it was just, um, you know, a couple rehearsals and and then we were pretty much good. I mean, there were, I think on that first tour with all the covers, there might have been a couple that I had on my iPad. I, um, I know I had Jackson Park Express on there because that's so long. Um, mm-hmm. That was the main one I, I had a chart for, but otherwise, I pretty much tried to memorize everything. Cool. Yeah. And with the uh, cover songs, uh, there is one that just came to mind, uh, Cinnamon Girl by Neil Young, where Weird Al does play a little bit of guitar on there. Uh, <laughs> did you have any uh, any 
help uh, training him on how to play guitar. And is he using one of your guitars for that, or did they bring in a, a, a separate guitar for him? Oh, I don't know. Um, they, yeah, they, they, they got whatever they had lying around. It might have been the old guitar from Nirvana. I can't remember what they had for it. I, I don't even remember. But yeah, hmm. they just they, they, got, they picked up something, you know. You didn't give him any lessons on how to play guitar? <laughs> no, not for that, no. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> well, Jim, we really appreciate you coming back after all these inches for our special 200-inch episode. You know, obviously, we, we love having your support and the wonderful theme song. And it's always such a pleasure to get to chat with you. So we're really excited to, that um, that you have your new album out of Wood and Spirit. It's out now. People can check it out over at jimchemowest.com. While they're there, they can also sign up for Chemo's Corner, where they get discounts on albums and, and other exclusive downloads and stuff. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, hope we'll chat with you soon, Jim. Well, thank you guys so much. It's always a pleasure. And um, we'll uh, see you on the next tour, I'm sure. Once again, we'd love to thank the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for joining us on the podcast. Be sure to check him out over at jimkimowest.com and be sure to pick up A Wood and Spirit while you are there. As we mentioned in the interview with Kimo, and any other time that we possibly can to whoever will listen, back on April 26, 2022 at the Weird Al Yankovic concert at Bardavon 1869 Opera House in Poughkeepsie, New York, the band surprised us by playing our very own podcast theme song live on stage. And now we have a real treat for you. It is our pleasure to share with all of you, in honor of our 200th episode, from that very night, the board recording of the live version of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast theme song, as performed by Weird Al and his band. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Podcast about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Dave, there's only one word to describe that. Pretty stinking majestic. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also governmentally Okay, in honor of our 200th episode, I'm going to give you a little quiz about Darwin, Minnesota to see if you have been paying attention. Bring it on! Okay, first question. What time do city council meetings take place in Darwin, Minnesota? 7 p.m. Twineball time, the second Tuesday of the month at City Slash Township Hall, located at 305 East Curran. Next question. Who do you contact if you want to get a building permit in Darwin, Minnesota? Contact City slash Township Hall for details. Okay, and who do you contact for initial utility hookup charges? Contact City slash Township Hall for details. Okay, where do you go if you want to get a passport in Darwin, Minnesota? Ah, trick question! Darwin does not have a passport office. Alright, alright, those were easy. Here's a real thinker for you. I'm ready. Where do you go for all your spatula needs? Spatula City! So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next government expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz.
Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Wizard Burger, Jackson Scoggins, and Discover Darwin. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters, Kev, Javier, Ron, Scott, UH Jeff, Mike, Matt, Kenneth, Gus and Alicia, Allison, Adriana, Ajax, Jake, Zeb, Zach, Dana B, Blair, and also thanks to our newest Patreon supporter, Dustin, and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There's awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, which gives you early access to each and every bonus episode, and the self-satisfaction of doing something important with your otherwise pitiful, meaningless, useless, disgusting existence. And now would be a good time to join if you have not joined already because you will be the very first to hear each and every one of our remaining brand new Ridiculously Self-Indulgent bonus episodes the instant that they drop. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly towards supporting our fine podcast. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rump to Goody-related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you are there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Bonus Episodes and follow along with our adventures on tour. And click on Black and White and Weird All Over Bonus Episodes for our special series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his first book page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Not only does subscribing help the podcast, but once everyone in the world finally subscribes, we can stop asking you to subscribe. Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline. That number is 347-SPATULA, as seen in the Illustrated Al. Give it a call, and you might even hear your message in a future episode. Thank you once again to our guest, the fantastic Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West, for joining us this episode and for our incredible podcast theme song, which, if you haven't heard, was performed by Weird Al and his band at the Bardavon 1869 Opera House in Poughkeepsie, New York, on April 26, 2022. We also want to say thank you to Trinice, Joe Jaffa, William King, Zeb Lemke, David, Henry, UH Jeff Nucera, Jeremy Samples, Ludacris Laurie McMillan, Devlin Wilder, Jeff McClelland, Kenneth Gwinnup, Aaron Henry, Blair Freeman, Javier Valdez, Jason McDonald, Chad Kelson, Mike Minnick, Jackson Scoggins, Jackie Rossi, Steve J, Ruben Valtiera, John Bermuda Schwartz, and the entire crew of the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. Thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast most definitely would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible for 200 inches. Thank you for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast. And until we meet again, remember to gill and chill, keep listening to Weird Al, and stay cheesy.
I'm so happy that the month of July is finally upon us. Uh, Dave, we're literally three weeks into July already. Oh, I know, but July is so full of amazing holidays. Really? Like what? Well, July 1st was Canada Day, as well as the day after Weasel Stomping Day. July 2nd through 8th was Be Nice to New Jersey Week. And July 4th was, of course, Independence Day here in the good old USA. And July 15th was the anniversary of the release of Mandatory Fun way back in 2014. And July 18th is the anniversary of the release of UHF, Original Motion Picture Soundtrack, and other stuff in 1989. Not to mention July 21st being the anniversary of the release of the movie UHF, also in 1989. And, of course, Weird Al was born on july 23rd wait wait wait, dave i gotta stop you right there weirdo wasn't born on july 23rd he was born on october 23rd no it says right here july 23rd 1989 dave let's think about this logically how can weird al be born in 1989 he's clearly older than 34 years old besides you just got done saying he released uhf on july 21st 1989 how did he do that if he wasn't even born yet oh no no silly not that weird al the one and only true weird al aka daniel radcliffe oh okay that makes sense but aren't you forgetting another important july birthday um i'll give you a hint July 24th. Oh, oh, Jennifer Lopez. Nope. Amelia Earhart. Nope. Barry Bonds? Nope. Bindi Irwin? No. Gallagher? No. Think more Weird Al related. Michael Richards. No! Dave, this person has Weird Al, John Bermuda Schwartz, Jim Kimo West, and Steve J tattooed on their legs. Ruth Buzzy? Yep, that's the one I was going for. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 200-inch. Just gotta do this all nine more times. 1,800 inches to go. Yeah, they didn't have that category of best biker performance, so I'm sure you guys would have won, you know. Best biker performance in a movie made for TV. In a very specific genre. <laughs>